0: What is going on, Wisconsin sports fans? This is the Cheese Dad Sports Podcast, a podcast about Wisconsin sports hosted by two dads. My name is Robin Adams, co-owner of Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Gridiron Heroics.
1: I am McQuaid, the other co-owner of Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Gridiron Heroics, and the other half of the Cheese Dad Podcast. In our previous episode, we ran down the list of all the drafted
0: and undrafted Packers rookies and gave our analysis of where or if each will fit on the roster. This weekend, we got some pretty big news on the Packers, namely with some big names on the pup list to start training camp. So I guess we'll start there with the biggest name, David Bakhtiari. Now, we all know why Bakhtiari is hurt. McQuaid, why don't you tell us your thoughts on that?
1: My thoughts. It's been 18 months, 18 months uh, approximately since David Bottiari went down with a torn ACL, and we are still here seeing his uh, progress on the field being impeded by that injury. Now, um, whether they're being precautious, whether they're they're – you know, taking the slow roll back, however you want to describe what they're doing with him, either way is is, is cause for concern. Um, it's it's is noteworthy. You know that this injury is 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 that old, and and he's still not able to perform in training camp. You know, I, I saw for 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 weeks, right, and, and over a month really that that OTAs last month didn't matter. The June reporting, you know, it wasn't really a big deal. He was on the pup list or it wasn't participating then because it wasn't really important right they everyone said that if he doesn't participate during training camp that's when it's, it's here to cause alarm right that that's when you can start to get worried well we're here and we're worried he's on the pup list um, you just hope that this this long-term recovery isn't a career-changing thing and then it really it really starts to make you question the status of the contract this guy signed a massive Massive four-year contract extension back in 2020 to keep him through the 2024 season. Um, and we just, you just don't know. You don't know where this is going to leave the Packers, leave, leave David Bottiari, or that left tackle position.
0: Yeah, speaking of that, lap, the left tackle position, the guy who they had at left tackle to start last year, Elton Jenkins, also is not going to be starting the season with the team. He's going to be on the pub list as he recovers from his own torn ACL. But I have a couple thoughts on this. The first thing is that the Packers brought David Bakhtiari back in week 18 against the Detroit Lions in a game that they did not need. He played 27 snaps. And then two weeks later was, or was it three three weeks later, two or three weeks later, He wasn't good enough to go for the divisional game at home against the 49ers, with the Packers, of course, lost and for some reason decided to start an injured Billy Turner at left tackle, which is an entirely different conversation for another day. But I will say this, that in the regular season, without Elton Jenkins or David Bakhtiari, The Green Bay Packers were 8-0. They didn't lose a single game with Josh Neiman as their starting left tackle. And so I, I understand the concern around David Bakhtiari. I also am not quite sure what the status of the contract is going to be. I don't have the guaranteed money numbers. But if Bakhtiari cannot get back on the field and stay on the field, he could end up being cut at some point.
1: I'm I'm pretty sure that that contract is it's like a four-year, ninety million dollar. It was massive. It was absolutely massive, especially for left tackle. But no, you're 100 percent right. This it's gone to the point where you know Green Bay is going to have dead money if they cut him or, or or trade him if that if it even comes to that. Um, they're gonna have that money, but that's something that you gotta eat in this situation and save what you can in the salary cap and try and get something else and replace him because at this point in time, he's a four-year, ninety million dollar contract just sitting on the bench and you just cannot have that for this long. Now I think that it's too early to, to 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 talk about trade, talk about cutting him. I mean, he's still one of the best left tackles in the league when healthy. So give him through training camp, maybe you know let him play through preseason. My only, my only rebuttal to you in that week 18 meaningless game against the lions it was just them maybe seeing what they can get out of him or seeing if he can go in a real-time game uh practice is only so real um, you know you know real-time reps uh at you know in your own stadium is only so real so they wanted to get him out there and they wanted to see what he could do he played 27 snaps he seemed fine It when, it, when he left the game in detroit he was, he seemed fine. There was no, there was no indication that he had re-injured anything. It was just, he just, he was done. And then, you know, two weeks later came out that he can't play in the biggest game of the year um, to date. So, so it, it did, there was some backlash there. However, I do, I was just saying, I do kind of acknowledge the, the, the why as to why they played him in that game. But now that none of that matters, right? We're 12 months from then, or we're going to be 12 months from that point in time from by the end of this season, if he is not playing by then and playing at a high caliber, it is a real possibility that green Bay thinks about moving on from him via that trade or, uh, just cutting him. Yeah. I think it's way too early to talk about
0: cuts or trades right now, especially since there is still a chance that he could be back this season. When the, we're going to go over the other names of the players that are on the PUP list. And when that list came out, there were only, I think, three that we expected. So the caveat was, like, it's okay. Just because you start training camp on the PUP list doesn't mean you won't be ready for the regular season. It's just that in Bactiari's case, it is a little bit concerning because he missed pretty much all of last year. And it's been 18 months since an ACL tear. That being said, this guy's a giant of a human being. And you can't really compare his ACL recovery to the ACL recovery of a guy like, say, Jordy Nelson, right? Uh, It's two totally different-sized individuals that put different amounts of weight and pressure on their knees. So we just got to trust the medical staff on that one and... Hope for the best. On the on the offensive line that we have healthy, we have Yash Neiman, who, if Bakhtiari can't go, should start at left tackle. I think he proved himself last year. And we have John Runyon Jr., Jake Hansen, Royce Newman, Cole Schneider, who was an undrafted free agent this year, George Moore, was a i think another undrafted free agent this year former wisconsin badger cole van lanen and then there's caleb jones undrafted free agent who if he makes the team will make packers history as the biggest player ever to put on a packers uniform i believe he is six foot eight and 375 pounds that would be interesting and then of course we have our draft picks Sean
1: Ryan and Zach Tom. So this is gonna be, we, we talk about Aaron Rodgers and, and how he is just signed that three year $150 million extension and, and with the wide receivers and tight ends around him that he needs to step up, right? This is the time he needs to step up to to earn that $150 million contract by making those tight ends and wide receivers around him better. The same The same exact thing can be said about our offensive coordinator, uh, who just was just promoted from, from offensive line coach, um, he's going to come in and he needs to earn his money as offensive coordinator, um, and, and show, right. that we just listed a bunch of names, right. That don't have much experience, um, starting on the, um, offensive line, right. Or, or, right. They're undrafted free agents. Adam Senevich is going to need to come in and do exactly what he did last year and piece together an outstanding offensive line with players that just don't necessarily have that much experience, right? Now, Josh Nijman, like you said, or Josh Nijman, he had a great year last year playing uh, left tackle. And then you got a whole bunch, you know, John Runyon Jr. was was above average at times. And then you got a whole bunch of question marks. You know what I mean? You don't know whether or not we're going to see half these guys even make the team, right? So this is big. This is huge to see what uh, uh, Adam Sandovich is going to do with his offensive line. But really, there's no excuses. Earn your money. You were promoted. You were, The best thing you did last year was the offensive line, and we need it again, at least until... Either A, Dave Bottiari is back and healthy, or B, it's halfway through the season and we get both Dave Bottiari and Elton Jenkins back. Because once we get those two back, I mean, think about it. Worst case scenario, uh, I mean, I guess we don't really know about Dave Bottiari, but worst case scenario, say we don't get Dave Bottiari or Elton Jenkins back until halfway through the season, right? That's adding two all pro-level talents anywhere you want on the offensive line. Now, granted, Dave Bottiari will most likely be left tackle, but Elton Jenkins can play anywhere on that offensive line at an elite level, right? So you're getting two outstanding offensive linemen late in the season, uh, and Adam Sandivis has got to do what he can do with these with these guys we just mentioned, you know, for, for half the season at most. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting
0: training camp battle. Um, we'll see what the offensive line is going to look like, seeing how the injury progress and healing is going on with Bakhtiari. But not only with him, we have some other names on the pup list, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna list them off, and I want to hear your level of concern, McQuaid. We're gonna start off with Mason Crosby.
1: Uh definitely mildly concerned. Not exactly sure what's going on with that one, but uh, level for concern.
0: Yeah, I agree. Kind of. He didn't participate in OTAs. At the same time. He didn't have a good, really good year last year. He's 38 in the last year of his contract. People, Some people have been on the Packers for a while to bring in someone else to co- at least compete for the job, and this might be the year that it happens. If Crosby can't get on the field during the preseason, I don't think the job is just going to be there for him when he comes back. What about Christian Watson?
1: You know, I, I, I maybe you have. I have not heard much about why he is on the Pup list other than the fact, other than the quote-unquote not much of, of a concern as of right now. So uh, I don't like to see it. I don't like it at all. I don't like it one bit. Uh, but I have no, unless you do, I have no actual justification as to why he is other than just no concern no long-term concern.
0: Yeah, I heard the same thing you did, that it's not a long-term thing. He'll be fine. He'll probably be participating in training camp pretty soon. I don't know why he's on the on the pup list, but I, I'll tell you that for some people out there, the the timing was not great, considering that it took so long for him to sign that contract. And then, like, the day after he signs the contract, we find out he's going to be on the pup list. But it should it should be mentioned that he was at OTAs. It, it wasn't like he was holding out, right? He was participating in all of the Packers rookie activities and team activities that he was required to be at. So it wasn't like he was being a diva or anything like that. It was a whole contractual thing that we can talk about at different time when we talk about contracts and boring things like that but I have no concern really about him being on the pup list. It's just kind of weird.
1: Yeah, very, right. very weird.
0: Yeah. All right, the next one, Kylan Hill.
1: Totally expected. That, yep. that that kid blew out his knee in the Arizona Cardinals game last year. Expected to be on the, the pup list. We'll see. I'm just hoping that he can come back and, and play this year. Uh, all he did was score touchdowns when he, when he touched the ball last year um that was kind of kind of became his nickname so i'm I'm pulling for the kid
0: yeah me too he was a really good R- rb3 and a really good uh, returner too what about uh robert Tunyon? again expected torn acl
1: so i think he, this one was maybe a little bit less expected for me anyway just because i there was reports of him possibly you know for sure ready for week one you know what i mean and, and i don't know maybe that this means nothing maybe it's something right but um you know robert tony could be starting week one no issues and a month or two from now we're looking back on this laughing about it but um i'm gonna be looking at least for him to be moving around at training camp and and being active at training camp rather than you know fully with the rehab group i think he's he's got he's got he's got a real chance to start week one and and i don't want him to see him on this list, list for very long
0: yeah, the thing is, if you are on the pup list, you cannot practice with the team. Like can be he can be on the he can be in the facilities, he can be working out, but he cannot be practicing. Uh, personally, for me, I never really gave those rumors that he would be ready by week one any real consideration, just because it is a torn ACL maybe it's the pessimist in me, but when I when I hear torn ACL, I automatically assume a 12-month a twelve month healing process. I, I do not expect him back until week seven or eight
1: at the earliest. But I mean, with, with like this whole Dave thing, we're all kind of scarred from ACL injuries now.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, man, so many torn ACLs last year. That was wild. But mm. like you said, with... Back Diari and Jenkins, if they are both able to return at some point, I mean you're adding a really good pass catching tight end mid season at that point, and that's not a bad thing.
1: Yeah, I mean you think what happens if 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 Green Bay ends the first half of the season with a winning record, uh, or even you know better than you know five like much you know, a, a solid record. And then you get back, all of a sudden, two two quality offensive linemen and Robert and you're going to be adding to a team that's already moving in the right direction. Um, It's just a matter of getting there in the first place. So yeah, that brings us to the next one, Elton Jenkins. On the pup list, expected. ACL, we'll see him as as soon as we can this season.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm a little scarred by the back Tiari thing, too, with this one, like, hoping that it doesn't take Jenkins as long uh, to rehab as as it has taken back Diari because I think that he is the most important offensive lineman that we have because of his versatility, and I am not excited for that contract negotiation because he could very well demand left tackle money, which is a lot, and I'm sure the front office is going to try to go with offensive guard money, which is not, and it could get ugly.
1: Yeah, he's going to ask for one of the top offensive linemen contracts in the NFL. And, honestly, he deserves it. I just don't know if Green Bay can pay it. Right. All right. How
0: about Rasheed
1: Walker? Um, honestly, there there's not much concern there for him to be on the pup list. There, there, there's no, from the reports, there's no long-term concern. However, as an undrafted rookie, undrafted free agent, there's not much. Not good. Not good for his career, certainly not on the pup list. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how long he's on there.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's not a. It's not good for an undrafted rookie to end up on the pup list. But we'll see what happens. I'm not really concerned about it. This one kind of surprised me, Patrick Taylor.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna see. You know, a a battle at the running back position, um, beyond A.J. Dillon and 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 Aaron Jones and. You know, Patrick Taylor kind of seemed to be that favorite with uh, Kylin Hill out, you know, but now we, List, we'll see how long he's going to be there for. And a lot of people like Tyler Goodson. A lot of people like uh, uh, some other undrafted free agents that we have. So that running back three spot with Kylin Hill rehabbing for sure is going to be a battle.
0: Yeah, it's going to be between Tyler Goodson and BJ Baylor. Of the two, I like Tyler Goodson the most but it certainly is very interesting that if Taylor is out for a prolonged period of time, that the Packers RB3 coming into the season will, could be an undrafted free agent. Very much could be. Uh, Randy Ramsey.
1: You know, I don't like this one. I don't like this one at all. I don't like this one either. I think that, that, you know, Kingsley and Gabare is going to be good for, Long-term uh, success at the depth at running at, at uh, outside linebacker position. However, you know Randy Ramsey is going to have that time. This is going to be his year. It's going to be his year to come in. He's going to come in and 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 be the guy, be that 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 rotational piece. Finally, have a a chance to show that he can be something in this defense. And he starts on the pup list. And on top of that, for his not only his own benefit, right, but for the team benefit. Green Bay needs depth. We need depth at the at the at the edge rusher position and, and he was it. He was one of one of the it's, you know what I mean? So seeing him on those lists is, is not something that you want to see as a fan. Uh hopefully it's nothing long term, but you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah, I agree. I didn't like it either
0: because of the depth issue at at outside linebacker. Obviously, with Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, we have two of the best in the NFL right there, combined for 18 and a half sacks last year but then there's Kingsley and Ibari
1: and then a whole bunch of question marks. Nope. Yep. What about Next one to see is is uh Dean Lowry, right? This yeah. one this one is in- interesting because he, Dean Lowry is going to be in a fight for his life all season long. He is all of a sudden one of the lower man on the totem pole at the one of the deepest positions that Green Bay has. Green Bay has Kenny Clark, Jaron Reed, and now Devontae Wyatt, all three of which are going to make the roster no matter what this year, right? And now you've got Dean Lowry, who for years, for years, has been a solid just piece to that defensive line. Every once in a while makes a splash play, every once in a while makes himself known, but for the most part, he's just there. He doesn't blow assignments, he doesn't do anything majorly wrong, but he's not... A superstar, he's not gonna go and blow up a play. He's just he's there type of guy. And and that type of play earned him a nice three year deal a couple of years ago. However, that nice three year deal might be something that Green Bay considers letting go of or cutting the player if he cannot either I excuse me, either A stay healthy or B be healthy and contribute at a meaningful level. Dean Lowry is gonna be fighting for his life this year and this is not a good start for him.
0: No, exactly, especially when the Packers can save, I think it's eight million dollars by cutting him.
1: That's crazy.
0: But like, you, but like we talked about off-camera uh, a few times is that the Packers front office has really done a great job shutting payroll, and now they have the fifth most salary cap space in the NFL when going into the offseason. They have the second worst uh, salary cap situation. So it's really been amazing. It's not really that they need to cut him right now however if he can't get on the field and if he can't produce they could cut him save some money and let that cap roll over to next year and have more money to spend next year as a result
1: you know you know not only that but that that type of money right so right now they're sitting at at, you know 16 or whatever so million you cut Dean Lowry you went up in the 20s you know 20 million dollar range that is a not only right, okay, roll it over to next year, sure, but not only that, you that is a some serious change for this year, right? If you are able to, you know, teams on a run, you feel they're doing well, but they're missing a piece, and, and Oda Beckham Jr. is still out there, you know, you're gonna pay him for half the season because he's, he's injured, he's got, he's got his own ACL to worry about, but I mean, heck, like that, that type of money gives you options, right? I understand OBJ is you know, the most famous and, and, you know, type sexy name that people have been throwing out there. But there's a bunch of other names out there that, that you you get that kind of money, you get a, a late run going on, you have options. And that's, that's the type of money that really gives a championship championship team options to add to their team later late in the season.
0: Yeah, last year when OBJ was on the trading block or, or was available for, for signing at least, it came down between the Rams and the Packers if you – Believe what the what the rumors were and everything, and that the Packers could only afford to pay him the vet min for the rest of the year, whereas mm-hmm. the Rams were able to give him four million dollars. Yep. So very big, very big too. It it, it is going to give them a little bit more space later in the year for any of these guys that end up, you know, getting released and able to sign with other teams because. We don't know who's going to be out there, but it could be someone that we want, that we need, and we'll have the financial security to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, it's going All to be right. very interesting to see the, the cap space after that, yeah. or when and if that happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, who's our last guy?
1: Ho- ho- ho-ati pa- patutu, probably saying the name wrong. Yeah. Uh, he probably wasn't making the roster anyways. He's out there. He's we're gonna see what what type of injury this is. Getting the details of these types of things is is the next step in this. Um, we're pulling for the kid, but it's not not a an, an ideal start for him. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm not. I feel bad for
0: him, but I'm not brokenhearted.
1: Nope.
0: Not worried about how it's gonna affect the team. All right, so now we're going into a segment where we took some questions from social media and we're going to talk about the uh and we're going to answer the questions and talk about what our opinions are on them and the first one was how many wide receivers will the packers carry on their roster uh
1: so, so for, me, for me for I'm, me i'm gonna go i'm gonna go six i'm going six wide receivers i think the lazard cobb watson dubs and amari rogers make it for sure um, and I think Watkins is as much as much you know worry as there that there is out there. I think that uh, Sammy Watkins makes makes the uh, makes the roster, um, and then that who does that lead? That means Samara Toure off the roster. I think he'd be a good practice squad guy. Now he could change mind and he could be make make some big plays on special teams. But I think that if he does, if Green Bay chooses to make to to, to go seven wide receivers, it's only because. Toure make some crazy special teams plays between now, training camp, and preseason game number four.
0: Yeah, I put down that we will keep seven. I predict that we will keep seven. And it will be Lazard, Cobb, Watson, Dubs, Amari, Watkins, and Toure. Now, the next question, if it comes down to Toure Watkins, if they do end up keeping six... Will Toure's special team ability give him an edge over over Watkins? And I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to say yes. I, I definitely think it does, just because I there is no evidence out there that Sammy Watkins can be healthy, and the Packers did not invest a lot of money in him. He only he's only guaranteed three hundred fifty thousand dollars of his contract, and if if it does come down to those two. Like let's say it's Watkins or Toure. I don't understand why the Packers would keep a guy who is coming into camp going, "I'm going to revive my career," and he's competing for a roster spot with a seventh round draft pick.
1: Like if know, it comes if, down to if, those
0: two guys, you
1: got to give it to Toure. If if it comes down to that, you're right. If it comes down to that, and Watkins is is doing it's not not the fact of Samara Touré just blowing everyone of the water it's the fact that, that Sammy Watkins is not living up to what we thought he would be or what he could be then yes you need to give the roster spot to to Touré all day long however right if it's because both players are balling out right yeah i think that the, the 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 needle would point towards Watkins right to give him that that on the field uh you know wide receiver threat that Green Bay so desperately needs going into the season and then you know hope that two Ray makes a practice squad makes it through waivers makes a practice squad and then uh, uh, Green Bay can pull call him up at any time they want but um, I don't I think, think he would clear. I do
0: I don't think that he would last long on the practice squad before someone else picked him up. I mean this is a guy we talked about in our last episode that had almost 1,500 receiving yards in 2019 at Montana if he had played anywhere but Montana for his first three years of college football, this is a guy that probably would have been a
1: much higher draft pick than he was. Yeah. So it's an extremely good point. And, and we're going to need to see that Montana kid come out in these training camp and preseason games to have him land a roster spot. But at the same time, we're going to need to see Watkins, you know, live up to that number four or whatever draft pick it was overall draft pick, you know, Eight ten years ago, whatever it was, that, that he needs to, he needs to be that guy if he wants to come in and revive his career. Show us that you can do that. Revive your career, earn your roster spot, and make Green Bay be you know seven wide receivers deep this year.
0: All right, moving on from the wide receiver position, even though it is a very fun thing to talk about, we're going on to the edge. Question was, who is the edge three? Enigbare or Garvin? For me, I am it's, going. To, it's it's Anikbari. It's got to be
1: Garvin's yep, yep. had his chance. Yep. Engibare, I think he could be one of this one of the steals of the draft. Uh, he is going to be incredible this year. I feel like, and um, you know, even with with Randy Ramsey on the IR on the pup list and and whatever other question marks we may have, I think that um, Kingsley Engibare is going to be a surefire legitimate talent at that one at that uh past rusher three position yeah a lot of people don't remember that going into the 21
0: 2021 season he was a projected first round pick and then he and got like he's not like he had a bad
1: 2021 he no. had a great
0: 2021 season
1: it's just seven it's, um, tackles for mm-hmm. loss
0: but he had this leg injury and there was this weight fluctuation that the uh vp packers vp of college scouting was talking about And he said the weight fluctuation was because they think he was getting some bad advice from the medical staff and they think that they can fix that. And so it, it could end up being a real steal. A guy that was supposed to go in the first round, grabbing him in the fifth round could end up being one of the best value picks in the entire draft. Yeah. All right. Uh, Who will return punts? This is a good one. Um, I think it's going to be one of the rookies, and I broke it down a little bit. I think that Christian Watson is going to be the kick returner, but I think that Dubes is going to be the punt returner. And I'm I'm basing this purely off of their college stats. Watson was um, a kick returner in college and averaged 25.4 yards per return. Dubes was not used as a kick returner, but he was used as a punt returner and had 12.5 yards per return. Both of those stats are pretty good and I think that the Packers should keep it that way. A different guy in each role.
1: You know what? I'm going to I'm going to play Devil's advocate for both of those positions and say, "Hey, I'm going to live up to the hype. I'm I'm going to I'm going to buy into the hype and I'm going to say Amari Rodgers is coming back year 2 ready to go." He's in a new shape, new new mindset, whatever you want to call it. And he comes in and he earns that that returning role for both those positions. And Watson and Dubs are both both just uh, primary wide receivers all year long. I wouldn't hate that. I hope it I'd happens. Like it. Actually. I would like it. I
0: really it. like Amari Rogers.
1: I do too. I think he has got great potential. But but if he doesn't, if if Amari Rodgers is anything but what I just claimed him to be, um then I, we, we got to go with, with exactly what you said. Christian Watson, kickoff returns. Romeo Dubs, punt returns.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, now we're going to get into a game. We're going to play start, bench, cut with Packers legends at various skill positions. We're going to list it. off three players at each position. You can start one, bench one, or cut one. And the first one is quarterback
1: Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Bart Starr. The the legendary quarterback trio. I'm starting Starr, benching Rodgers and cutting Favre. I think they're Bart Starr, all he did was win. Rodgers is the most most efficient and lethal quarterback of all time. And while I love Brett Favre, I'm not going to lie to you, his, his time in that purple and gold jersey, well, I'll never forget that, so I'll cut him. I'll cut him. Well, he might be getting some other
0: legal issues coming his way pretty soon from the sound <laughs> of it anyway. Um, I'm also cutting Favre. I, I keep on flip-flopping on starting between the two of Aaron Rodgers and Bart Starr. I think that Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback to – ever play the game of football i think that his accuracy is second to none but yep. like you said all bart star did was win and i do think that's going to give me the the nudge to start him over rogers so i'm going to agree that star should start rogers bench and cutting far all right running back maybe this will be not as Maybe we won't agree on this one so easily. on Green, Aaron
1: Jones, and Jim Taylor. That's a good one. That's, that's a good one. You know you know what? I'm going to start on Green. I'm going to bench Jim Taylor. I'm going to cut Aaron Jones. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe this is a little bit of bias, but I love – I grew up watching Amon Green. I grew up watching him dominate at times. This kid, Amon Green, was one of the best running backs in the NFL. In the entire NFL for for multiple years, um, I think that Jim Taylor was a was semi product of a system, right? And the, the, the Lombardi sweep, the the classic 1960s Green Packers. However, he still was doing it in a time where you could murder a player on the field and no penalty would be called. Um, and and you know what? If this was a flex hybrid type of, of question, I would take Aaron Jones all day long because of these three, Aaron Jones is the best weapon, right? But if we, if we want to talk about pure running back, I think I'm going to go with start Amon Green, bench Jim Taylor, cut Aaron Jones. But I love I love me some Aaron Jones. Don't get me wrong.
0: Man, I thought we were going to disagree a little bit more on this one, so I'm going to find a place to disagree with you. I also <laughs> am going to start Amon Green because I do think that he is the best, um, I mean – 1,883 rushing yards one year, over 2,200 all-purpose yards that year, 20 touchdowns, just total touchdowns, just absolutely insane. Underrated great year. And he is the Packers' all-time leading rusher, let's not forget. Yep. Um, I'm also going to bench Jim Taylor because uh, you can say he was a product of the system, sure, but he was the NFL MVP in 1961. MVP. MVP. You know, we talk about Packer players winning MVP, and we always think, oh, yeah, uh, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, they've won a bunch of them. Paul, uh, Paul Horning won one. Uh, oh, yeah, Bart Starr won one. But no no one ever talks about Jim Taylor. And he had 1,500 rushing yards in a season where everyone knew that he was getting the ball.
1: hmm. <laughs> And then, and then, of
0: course, going to cut Aaron Jones as a result. And uh, I don't like to do that because I do love me some Aaron Jones, too. However, where I'm going to disagree with you is that I think that Amon Green is all time a better weapon in the hybrid system than Aaron Jones. Because I do believe there was a year where he led the Packers in both rushing and receiving yards. Oh uh, if we're going to be running... A screen pass, there is no running back all time in Packers history that I want getting that ball, then I'm on green.
1: Very fair point.
0: Very fair point. All right, wide receiver. This one's gonna be fun. Don Hudson, Devontae Adams, and
1: Jordy Nelson. Ah, uh, you're pulling at my heartstrings here. You're pulling at my heartstrings. Right, no, you know, what? I'm, gonna, you know I, what? I'm gonna You know what? I'm going to love their wide receivers. I've got to be consistent with it, right, forever, my whole life. I've said that Don Hudson is the most underrated wide receiver of all time and does not get enough credit. I am starting Don Hudson. I am benching Jordan Nelson, and I'm cutting Devontae Adams. And as much as it pains me to say that, that's what I'm doing, right? Don Hudson, give me him all day long, every day, all day. If you don't know who Don Hudson is or you don't know what he did, his dominance of the league when he played is un match go look him up go look his stats up it is absolutely absurd what he did in this league and he how he defined the wide receiver position now when it comes to benching you know what i'll be honest maybe there's a little bias going on maybe there's a little little heartache going on i'm, I'm, I'm gonna take some jordy over some Devonte because at least jordy didn't you know choose to sign somewhere else the only way he signed with the raiders is because green bay wanted to pay him next to nothing, and so he went to go earn some money out in Oakland when the Raiders were still there. Devontae Adams kind of forced his way out. Um, I think that the Jordan Nelson to, or excuse me, Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Nelson back shoulder throw is one of the most deadliest plays of NFL history. Uh, So I'm going to sit dirty and I'm going to cut Devontae. It's going to be, it's a rough decision, but that's what I'm doing.
0: Finally, we can disagree on something. (laughs) <laughs> However, thing we can agree on is that Don Hudson is the starter. I mean, this isn't a question. This is a guy who has 99 career receiving touchdowns, still the most in Packers history.
1: Ridiculous. He still
0: holds, he still holds several NFL receiving records, including most seasons leading the league in receiving yards. He – Define the wide receiver position. Every wide receiver in today's game owes their success and how they are viewed as a wide receiver and how the position of the wide receiver is viewed because of Don Hudson. Like he was the guy who first made the wide receiver that vertical downfield threat. He also is top ten in Packers history in interceptions as a defensive player. I mean, this guy is nuts. You talked Inside. about how he might be the most underrated Wide receiver of all time, I think he's the most underrated football player of all time. Like, period. This is a guy who probably could have been in the Hall of Fame as an offensive player or a defensive player. Luckily, <laughs> he's in the Hall of Fame anyway. But there's a reason the Packers retired his number. I am gonna also uh, say that I disagree. I am I'm benching Devontae and I'm cutting Jordy. I I understand the heartache and everything like that, but. Adams has got to stick together. You know?
1: <laughs> I get that. I get that. He's uh. uh yep. No, I got also, you. I got you.
0: He is the best wide receiver that I have ever seen in the Packers uniform with my two eyes. Like, I never saw a Don Hudson play. I'm not that old. But <laughs> Devontae Adams, I've just never seen anything in the Packers uniform like that before. And it's a bummer that he's not going to be around. But this is a guy that made that made plays even with Brent Huntley and Deshaun Kaiser as his quarterbacks when Rodgers was injured. I mean, that, that that talent is serious. And as much as I love Jordy Nelson, I, I gotta I gotta cut him, which is sad because I, I, I do that. I do really like him. One of my favorite Jordy Nelson stories is that year that he was hurt. He was back home in Kansas, and did you know that he has a education degree? No, I did not know that. He, he's a ma- he, he graduated with a math education degree, and uh, the, one of the teachers at his kid's school was going on leave for uh, cancer treatments. And so since he was not playing football because he had a torn ACL, he was the long-term substitute at his kids' school and you just hear these stories about the big football player Jordy Nelson leading a line of third graders quietly down the hallway. Hey good for him. Good like, for him. I, like that. I think he is so cool. He also when he was in Green Bay was on um the Green Bay Public School District substitute list. That's pretty cool. I imagine that showing up to school and your sub is Jordy Nelson. Especially when he's in, in his heyday in Green Bay. Yeah. What? what, what how, how wild is that? No kidding. All right, now we're going to get to one that I think might be the toughest one. Tougher than the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, and it's edge rusher. Clay Matthews, Reggie White,
1: Willie Davis. You know, I'm going to start Reggie White. Uh, I'm going there. He's the best edge rusher of all time. I don't think that there's any defensive player. I'm gonna say it. I don't think there's any defensive player in NFL history better than Reggie White. That includes Aaron Donald. That includes um the, includes anyone. I'm I'm going Reggie White, right? Uh and then I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna bench Willie Davis and cut Clay Matthews. I love Clay, don't get me wrong, that play in Super Bowl forty five was incredible. Uh but Willie Davis, five time NFL champion, NFL Hall of Famer, ridiculous in the nineteen sixties. Give me Reggie, give me Willie, cut clay.
0: Yeah, you know, once the words exited my mouth that this was going to be a tough one, I immediately regretted it because it wasn't. <laughs> Reggie White, best defensive player of all time, like you said. Uh, Willie just I um I am so happy that they went back and like figured out the sack numbers for back when he played because it really showed how dominant he was. I mean, this is a guy that had 99 and a half sacks most impact history and like i have i had to pick him and then clay matthews as much as, as i love him gets the cut but you just have to when you have reggie white and willie davis you have to uh speaking
1: of willies cornerback herb Adderley, willie wood and charles woodson you know, I'm certain uh, Charles Woodson, all day long, I think he's one of the best defensive backs of all time. Uh, I love me some uh, Charles Woodson. Uh, Aaron Rodgers even said he's probably the best player to or best defensive player. I actually, he said what? He said that Charles Woodson is the best player that he's ever played with, maybe outside of Devontae Adams. Just gives you kind of a, a perception. And to be honest with you, I don't know. Between her Bradley, and Willie Wood is a toss up. Who who would you rather have in the defensive backfield? You can't you can't go wrong. I'm officially passing the buck off to you. You make the choice.
0: Okay, well then you're gonna like my choice really, because I'm not gonna start Charles Woodson. I'm gonna start Willie Wood. Okay. I mean undrafted free agent, probably the greatest undrafted free agent of all time just came out of nowhere hall of fame career multiple time champion hall of famer i think it's that underdog story that coming out of nowhere and then being a black guy playing in in 1960s just so much to root for and cheer for for him he's gonna get my start i am gonna bench charles woodson though because i do think he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time And I am going to cut Herb Adderley, although it brings me no
1: pleasure. It's not a bad choice. Not a bad choice.
0: All right. Our last last one. Leroy Butler, soon to be in the Hall of Fame, Bobby Dylan, and
1: Nick Collins. You know what? This one, maybe maybe I'm living in the moment, but I am going Nick Collins starting. Leroy Butler bench cut Bobby Dylan now. Sorry, I'm sorry for this. But Nick Collins,
0: listeners, I am in the I am in the market for a new
1: host. Nick Collins would have gone down as one of the greatest safeties of all time if he didn't have his neck injury. I saw it with my own two eyes. I saw him play. Nick Collins is a bleeping beast right this guy should not have his neck injury be deprived of this start cut and bench scenario that i know that everyone is worried about in in the sports world that on this low podcast i'm benching leroy i'm cutting bobby dylan fire away fire away robin what do you think
0: on the off chance that mr butler actually listens to this segment, I want to apologize <laughs> to him for for this. Although Mr. Butler is such a nice guy that he would shake it off and be like, oh, no, no, Nick was a great player.
1: He, he was the right guy to wear 36. Nick Collins is the greatest safety I think I've ever seen play for the Packers.
0: <sighs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to start Leroy Butler. Okay. Because he is the greatest safety that I have ever seen play for the Packers. Mm -hmm. I remember watching in the 90s. I remember just how hard he would hit. First safety ever, first player NFL player ever with 20 career interceptions and 20 career sacks, inventor of the Lambeau Leap, I can't believe you're doing to him what
1: the Hall of Fame did to him for so long, man.
0: That uh, being hey, I'm, not, I'm
1: not saying that a Hall of Famer, no. I'm saying that Nick Collins would have been better if he never got hurt. That's that's what I am saying. I mean, I I
0: I agree that he would have been great and probably a Hall of Fame player himself. I love missing Nick man, Collins. Man is going like, into Hall of Fame this summer. You couldn't give him this one win on this, I'm not giving on this win. very new podcast <laughs> that so man. many people are listening to. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. And then I'm going to go with Nick Collins as my, uh, as my bench because. I did see him play and like you said he was amazing Uh, that pick 6 in Super Bowl 45 will be one of the things I think I see when I die and I'm entering heaven because that was so
1: glorious
0: that was such a glorious moment Uh, unfortunately I never got to see Bobby Dillon play so that is what gets me to cut him there although the case could be made that he is on the bench and Nick Collins isn't. Okay. Well, that concludes our Packers talk. Last week we ended with Packers Talk and we kind of like left it there because the Brewers were on the all-star break. But now they're not. They're back.
1: Did you get a chance to catch any of the game today, McQuaid? I did. What a what an offensive explosion. A ten to nine win against the Colorado Rockies. Can we talk about Hunter Renfro for a second and how dominant he's been? Three straight games with the homer, I believe it was. Uh, the offense is coming alive. They they've they took three in a row against the Rockies, and they go for a sweep tomorrow. I like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, all break long, all we have heard on social media has been, the Brewers need a bat, the Brewers need a bat. And then coming out of the break, six runs, ten runs, ten runs. I think it's been right like yep. just an offensive explosion uh, led by hunter renfro of course three home runs in in three straight days you know we knew this when we got him that he was a slow starter but that that second half renfro is is something to be excited about and I think that he can hit 30 home runs this year, and he's got 15 now, I think, after his home run today. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Another big news item from the Brewers was that Aaron Ashby signed a five-year, $20.5 million contract extension that could be longer and worth up to over $40 million. What do you think about signing Ashby that long?
1: Getting getting that kind of of, I'm not even gonna call it depth pitching. I'm just gonna call it a quality pitcher in the first place is is big. You know, the Brewers are gonna have to um, worry about Corbin Burns long term, um, um, Freddie Peralta long term, Woodruff long term. Like this is is the next in line, and and just getting these guys signed up. I, I think that they, they got him for a for who he is and what he could be. I think this is a great signing because he could very, very, very well outplay this type of pay, especially for the pitcher, pitcher position. Uh, and I think it sets in motion a, a, a good start to signing some some of these guys long-term to keep pitching a forte in Milwaukee for, for quite a few years.
0: Yeah, the Brewers did do this, I think, last year with Freddie Peralta. They inked him to a long-term deal, too, right away. Uh, keeping him in Milwaukee past his arbitration years and the first two years of free agency uh, for him which is a really good call because the Brewers I'm going to try not to bash the owner so much but it's (laughs) really hard not to The Milwaukee Brewers are not going to spend money we're we're already talking about who we're going to trade Josh Hader to whether, whether it's This year or during the offseason because we have no faith that ownership will pony up the money to pay Josh Hader. And then we're talking about how we're only going to be able to afford to sign one of Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff. And whenever anyone talks about that, they automatically say it's going to be Brandon Woodruff because he's not the Cy Young Award winner. And we're
1: not going to be able to afford the Cy Young Award winner. Extremely, extremely frustrating. you want you want the brewers to Milwaukee is so loved. Milwaukee loves baseball so much. The Brewers are so loved. you want to see them go and make a splash and and return get all these guys back. It, every year lately, it feels like it is one or two pieces away from a, from a a, a a pennant appearance. Um, they have the pitching year after year. they have it again this year. they just need to bat. Now, you know, they've had some bats pop off after the all-star break, and we'll see if it continues. But talking about long-term, you don't want to be just a one-and-done. Long-term, get these guys signed, pony up the money, get long-term success in Milwaukee, and the the profit will go through the roof, through the roof for the owners if you sign these guys and when they bring you pennants. It will be game. It will be – look at what the Milwaukee Bucks did last year. You know I mean? Like, it, it'll be – It'll be city-changing, city-changing, not just team-changing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I really like this that they they need to do this with their promising young talent. They need to give them these long-term contracts that are more team-friendly earlier as opposed to now we're looking at 2024, 2025 where we're not going to have Burns hater. Woodruff and It makes you really think that the title window is like now So I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a a bigger trade than we were anticipating Happening at at the deadline before the deadline at least on August 2nd. I was um, looking on lately and I, I, I heard or I saw I read that the Brewers have an offer on the table for Josh Bell from the Washington Nationals, who is also being pursued by the New York Mets and the Houston Astros. And then also they're interested in Andrew Benatendi, who they've been interested in all year. I've been hearing them, I've been hearing people saying the Brewers are interested in Benatendi since April, but the Yankees want him to. So we'll see mm-hmm. what happens, but getting either one of those or two one or two players like them would be a real game changer in Milwaukee.
1: It just really depends on what we're going to give up for him. It, it you know if we can get these players and somehow not give up Josh Hader, that would be ideal. How realistic, realistic realistic that is, I I just I don't know. Um, oh, I think that it's I, completely realistic because
0: Josh Hader still has a year left of team control, whereas those two guys are free agents at the end of the year.
1: Very true. Very true
0: all right i think that's about it we're really having a good time with the brewers it's fun watching them win hopefully they complete the four game sweep tomorrow we'll be coming back at you with a new episode pretty soon hopefully celebrating a brewer's sweep and hopefully with some better news on packer injuries you can follow me on Twitter at theotherrobin19. You can see my written work over at wisconsinsportsheroics.com or at sportsnot.com.
1: You can follow me at McQuade W Arnold on Twitter, and as well as our work both on Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Gridiron Heroics. Check us out and uh, give us a follow; we greatly appreciate it. Have a good
0: night.